0: This morning, uh, we're actually going to be doing uh, something a little bit different. I'm going to be stepping out of uh, Luke's gospel. So if you've been with us for a while, you know that for years now, we've been kind of making our way through the gospel of Luke, and I'll be jumping back into that next week, um, looking in particular at a text in uh, Luke 17, I believe it is, where it's going to be dealing with forgiveness. Uh, I'm excited. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty powerful, hopefully healing um, and uh, instructive. But for this morning, we're actually going to be dealing with the subject of parenting and children. Now. Before I go any further, I should say, uh, why don't you guys, if you need a Bible, raise your hands, because we're a church that likes to build everything that we do off of the Word of God. I am um, not; I don't have a text this morning that's governing all of my thoughts, uh, so I don't want to forget to, if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and uh, that way you can follow along as I kind of bring up certain verses here or there as we go this morning we're going to be dealing with the subject of parenting and children and the reason in particular for this is actually we've had uh, a number of new babies born um, to families in this church and there's more on the way and i've had some people asking me hey uh, are we going to be able to you know do like a what traditionally is called like a, a baby or child dedication And I've always wanted to, uh, kind of get things going in that direction. I always, I think it's a good idea. And so I thought, you know what? What might be neat is to just take a Sunday. And actually preach a sermon on parenting and how, you know, this idea of of baby dedication and and other things, as you'll see, kind of fit into that. Um, And actually at the end of this uh, sermon, we have a few families that uh, are going to be taking that kind of formal step here with us. so let me, to try to set us up uh, for where we're going this morning, let me first say something up front about uh, what we are calling this formal step that parents can take before God uh, with their kids. Um, you may have noticed, if you've seen kind of how we've been running the communication about it, that we don't just call it a, a baby dedication. We're not just calling it a child dedication. We're calling it a parent commissioning. We're calling it both a baby dedication and a parent commissioning, I should say. I I, I see these two as um, essentially two sides of the same coin. And I'll explain a little bit further what I mean. Um, churches often speak of baby dedications. So maybe you've been a part of a service where you've seen that service or two where you've seen people kind of bring up their children and dedicate them to the Lord. And you kind of thought, oh, that sounds good. Uh, looks nice. Um, and that's the typical uh, approach that we have is this idea of a baby dedication, which I think highlights one aspect of what's really going on. And that is the idea that uh, families are kind of giving their kids, if you will, to God. They're presenting them to God and saying, listen, we want this kid to be for you. We want this child to be yours. We want your will in our baby's life or our little kid's life. That's what's brought out by the idea of baby dedication. But there's another side to this. There's another side to the coin, if you will, that sometimes is uh, lost on us, that we sometimes forget to highlight. And that's what's brought out by this idea of parent commissioning. So if in baby dedication we have this idea that we are coming before God and saying, hey, let me give to you my child, Lord. In parent commissioning, we kind of see the reverse of, the, of, of things. We see it moving in the other direction, and we recognize that not only are we called to kind of give our kids to the Lord, but the reality is He has, in fact, given or entrusted these kids to us. That with every kid comes a call, comes a commission from God to the parents To pursue them, care for them, provide for them, protect them, and so many other things as we'll see. That there is in fact a calling, a commission, whenever a child is born into a family, that, that lands on the parents. So it's not just I give to you, but it's also, man, He is giving to us. He is entrusting to us, and you feel something of the weight of it. And actually one of the first steps in really living out that commission is to give your child back to him say your will not mine be done in this kid's life but more on that Later, let me at least tell you what we're going to be doing. Now, I apologize. Usually I have a handout for you all to kind of follow. Uh, but things got a little too, uh, behind last night and I couldn't do it. Um, but uh, as always, the manuscript and things are, is available online even now. So you may pull out your smartphone and get on Facebook or you can pull out your smartphone, go to mercyhillchurch.org and, uh, actually download some of the notes I, I have here this morning so that you can follow along if you're more, if that's kind of more the way your, your learning works uh, but the first thing that we're going to be looking at this morning is uh, I want to come at this question what is parenting what is parenting in other words what am I as a parent called to what does it mean to be a parent And then the second thing that we're going to kind of jump out on in the last minute of this sermon is just we're going to ask the question, so what are we saying? When we when we uh, commission parents, when we uh, dedicate our children in the way that we will do at the end of the service, what are we saying? What exactly is happening? I'm going to spend all my time on that first question and just kind of land the plane in the last minute on that second question. Um, my hope is I, I'm aware, um, in fact I was praying in the back about it that you know, there are people who uh they have different mixed you know, experiences with kids. Maybe some of you feel like this may be irrelevant. This one, uh like, oh, I don't I don't have kids, I'm I'm single, or maybe I'm married without kids, or maybe I've already done the kid thing and I've graduated to to grandparent, you know, and I hope and pray that you will find, that God will meet you wherever uh you are in this journey, and, and, and you will find grace, you will find something encouraging from what we're looking at this morning. So I'd actually like to begin here before I dive in um, with some prayer. Would you pray with me? God, we... We recognize that wherever we are um, horizontally, wherever we are as far as earthly families and things are concerned, whether we have kids or we don't, when it comes to our, our, our relationship with you, when it comes to the vertical dimension, we are. Your kids, you are our dad. We are in a family together with your people and we are making disciples and involved in in many ways in seeing people born again. And, and all of these things and participating, if you will, in a call to parent and nurture the next generation. And so, Lord, here this morning, we just reflect on the privilege that it is to call you Father. And we know what it cost for us to gain that privilege. We know that it cost you your son. That your son was crushed on the cross so that we could be adopted and brought in. And call you Daddy, call you Father. Know your provision, your protection, your care, your love. And so today, as we contemplate what it means for us to be parents, what it means for us to have kids, I pray we would do all of that in light of what it means to be parented, fathered, loved by you, and to be your kids. It's in Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. So first, the question, what is parenting? Uh, Or in other words, as I said, what if I am a parent, what am I called to? What exactly is it that I am called to? I'm going to bring out six aspects from Scripture on this regarding the idea of parenting. Six aspects that I want us to consider. And I'm just going to blaze through them little by little, one by one. Aspect number one, parenting as image. What we see in the scriptures is, is, is first of all, that parenting um, images something of God. It's to reflect, it's to image something of God to our kids. Now, I thought it would be good to start with this idea of parenting as image, because really this is where parenting starts in the Bible. If we follow all the way back to Genesis one, and we we look at uh, the context for what we now understand to be parenting, we see this is where it starts, and God has a design for it here, and He He starts to talk about and, and hint us uh, hint towards what um, the purpose, the function of it should be, and so we read this Genesis one twenty seven to twenty eight. God created man in His own image. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So... Even if you don't have a church background, you've probably heard uh, that text read. You may be familiar with this idea. But there you have, right uh, in that last phrase, the idea of parenting, the idea of, of, of bearing fruit, multiplying, filling the earth. That's just saying, have babies. Make kids fill the earth with other image bearers of God. And when we look at that as the beginning of parenting and then we follow kind of what's the context of this, it's interesting to note, isn't it, that uh, this parenting idea emerges within the context of God talking about men and women made in his image. That he makes us in his, in his image, male and female, and then he says, now go, bear fruit, multiply, fill. Now, there's a lot that we could do with that idea, but what I wanted to bring out here is is this with regard to parenting. I think what we see in light of the context is that parents, one of their chief duties ought to be to reflect that's what this idea of being made in the image of God is, it's to reflect who He is in all the earth, to like a mirror kind of showcase his glory through our own lives. So I think that one of the first things parents are called to do is just that to their kids. To showcase or reflect or image all that God is to them. In other words, parents are to be living metaphors. Putting the glory of God on daily display before their kids. Children ought to see in mom and daddy's life something of what they read of God in the Bible. I mean, this is why God would call himself father. And in other places, he uses the metaphor of a nurturing mother to describe his own activity towards us. He's saying, listen, it's it's not that he's retroactively pointing at, you know, like, how do I describe what I'm like? I'm kind of like a dad. I'm kind of like a mom. No, he created moms and dads because that's what he's like. Does it make sense? He comes first and he says, you take my image and go and, and showcase that, reflect that. And so one of the callings of a parent is to reflect, to image who he is to our kids. And so that means God loves, therefore mom and dad in a reflecting sort of way should also love, care for their child. Or because God provides, therefore mom and dad in a reflecting sort of way should also provide for their child. Because God protects Mom and dad should 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 image and reflect something of that. Or because God lovingly uh, disciplines at times His own children. Well, mom and dad ought to reflect something of that. Because God instructs and He guides and He counsels. Mom and dad should reflect something of that. Because God graciously sacrifices Himself for us. Lays his life down for us on the cross. Mom and dad should reflect something to their children of that. Parenting as image. Now, I certainly can't go chapter chapter and verse on all of those points, but I could if I had time. I could take you to uh, a number of places where God says, because I am this way, parents, you need to be this way. But I don't have time for that. I will at least say this about that last idea of sacrifice, because God graciously sacrifices so parents for their kids. Now, I want to say a few things on this, because I think sometimes we get mixed up. When it comes to parenting, uh, if you come into parenting thinking that your child will fill you up, that you will some, that, that they will somehow uh, complete you. Um, the reality is that and parents know this probably by now that you will be sorely disappointed that uh, you will be let down that. In fact, you will probably make a mess of things Because you were hoping for something from your kid that they're not able to provide. In fact, it's the reverse call on a parent. It's not that our kids are going to fill us up, although will they bring joy? We'll talk about this in a moment. Yes, they certainly will. But the call here is not, hey, kid, you fill me up. It's parent. You pour your life out. And this is how the gospel works. This is how the kingdom of God works. We find our lives when we lose it for Jesus' sake and the sake of others. So there's going to be this paradoxical joy that we find as we parents lay our lives down for our kids. It's going to be a sacrifice. That's part of what we will reflect. Now, if I could just tell you a few stories for a moment because I just think this is uh somewhat funny how it plays out in reality and it's hard <laughs> but uh I I um received a text from my mom uh a few maybe it was a few weeks ago and she was telling us that my cousin uh one of my cousins is now pregnant for the first time and uh you know we all kind of shot back texts oh that's awesome we're so excited and then my brother-in-law I mean, I, I love this guy he texts in and, and, and this is what he, he said he said um Shall we tell them to write a goodbye letter to sleep now, or later? A little smiley face. And I just thought, in that, in that, it. I mean, when when you come into parenting, you, you kind of maybe don't have any idea what it's going to cost you. But he's got four boys of his own now, and he's just going. Listen, should we tell them they're never going to sleep again, or just kind of let that break on them slowly as they, you know, get get into this thing. And, uh, that's one of the things that we come to realize is parenting, you're going to sacrifice. You're going to lay down your lives for kids, and it's not just sleep. Um, I, I hear people talk about hobbies. Well, i got three kids. I don't even remember what a hobby is. I guess it's that thing that you do when you have like all the spare time that you're kind of like, well, what do I really just enjoy doing? <laughs> you go out and you do it regularly with a bunch of other people. I don't even know what a hobby is right now. i got a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and a two-year-old who tears my house apart every day you sacrifice things like hobbies you lay down things like your travel plans you 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 lay down things like money and and your time one of the things that's hard sometimes sometimes is uh, you got to let go of your plans or the order and efficiency that, with which you like to function well sometimes when you got little ones that that just all goes out the window one more anecdote for you because i uh uh I couldn't believe this myself and i just want to speak it out in here it's so crazy but my son um, let me just tell you we'll give you one example of this my house is chaos pretty regularly uh, in spite of how we try to order it um my son, we thought, Hey, it would be good to uh, potty train this boy. He's, he's almost coming around to three here and we're going to start moving him towards those pull up things. You know, mommy. Wow. I'm a big kid. Now those things, uh, where they start to kind of learn, uh, what's, what's going on. And now the problem with these, uh, with these pull ups is they're easier to take off and on. Right. And we should have maybe thought, okay, this could go bad knowing my son, but we didn't. We thought, okay, no, we'll give this a shot. And we put him in one of these things before bed. And usually we all wake up earlier than him and he's kind of sleeping in um, and we're out in the family room or whatever and usually we'll kind of start to hear him slowly warm up to the day and he'll start singing or talking and then we know okay it's time to come in and grab him um well this morning uh this one morning we'd put him in his pull up the night before tucked him in uh and we're all out there and we start to hear him making noise so we're not, and then I kind of tune into what he's saying in a few minutes a few minutes go by I'm like, what is he saying in there and i start hearing him go No shower mommy. I don't want to shower mommy. I don't want to take a shower mommy. No shower I just hear this from from the out the other side of the door. I'm like no shower What's this kid talking about? Well, there's no shower. Why is he scared that we're going to want to give him a shower? Like, we better get in there and see what's going on. So we break down the door. We come in. We're like, what what's going on? Why do you need a shower? Well, I'll tell you why he needed a shower. The boy thought it would be fun. Well, for one thing, he's pretty regular, and he takes this good old morning poop, right? Almost, almost without fail. This big old thing filling his diaper. And he decides, well, now I'm going to pull up. I think I'll kind of, I don't like this on me or whatever. I think I'm just going to take this thing off. Right? I'm just gonna take this thing off. And then he's playing around his room. He even, I guess, tried to wipe. We saw remnants of a couple of wipes here or there. So there is literally just stuff, his stuff all over the room. And if you're a parent, Bottom line is this isn't that this isn't that crazy. You probably had we could fill this whole hour with stories like this because this is what parents do. Did we have it on our agenda on our on our on our you know plan for the day to kind of start with cleaning up for an hour our boys' room and then showering everyone involved until you know no. Yeah, you know, we thought, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to start the day. The birds are going to be singing outside, and sun slowly kissing our face, and and then we'll kind of come out, get our coffee, do our Bible study, maybe get some breakfast with the kids, go to the park, whatever it is. This wasn't on the this wasn't on the agenda. But this is what it means to be a parent. This is part of the call, is to take up your cross, follow Him, and lay your life down for these kids and in that you reflect something of jesus to them now i'm pretty sure i reflected something more than just jesus to 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 levi in that moment but still we try right we we hope that they see something of the cross in the way that we serve them parenting as image aspect number two parenting as gift Parenting as gift now. I kind of went into some of these stories to set myself up for this second one Because I think in our culture uh, especially now we are inclined not to see children as gifts but to see them as kind of nuisances, as trouble, as burden, as stuff to be avoided rather than, than something to be pursued, a blessing to be pursued. And I think a lot of the reason is because of some of these stories I'm sharing that it's going to cost. It, it's hard. It, it, you have to say goodbye to a lot of stuff to love your kids well if you're going to do it right. And so nowadays that doesn't seem good Probably never seemed good, but especially now. And in fact, this is playing out. If you're following the statistics, it's playing out statistically. So it's really interesting. But what they're finding is the millennial generation is not uh, interested in having kids like generations before. So as they're coming to child rearing age and and we're thinking, okay, yeah, now they're going to start having families of their own. And they're not. And so the birth rate in America is at an all time low. And one of the reasons for this probably is because when you have a secular society, what has happened here is uh, we've kind of enshrined or idolized ourselves, the individual, the autonomous self. And so if you kind of listen to the way culture speaks, the way people talk, what you hear is, listen, it's my life, my needs, my thoughts, my body, my truth, my way, that sort of thing. That's the way that that our society is going and what that means is a kid entering my world threatens that. Threatens my autonomy, threatens my travel plans or, or, or my ability to buy designer jeans because now i got to buy diapers or my ability to get my organic roasted drip, you know, coffee or whatever because now I've got to do all these other things. I'm, I'm busy with the moms groups, you know, pushing our babies around, wishing we had a different life. That's the way our culture is going. And that's what we see even playing out. Statistically, then we miss it. We miss the great gift that parenting really is, the great gift that God wants to give us in our kids. You could go many places to show you this idea of parenting as gift from the scriptures, but Psalm 127 verses 3 through 5 is probably one of the best. The psalmist sings out, in a moment of joy it would seem, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Three things we immediately discover here about kids. They are first a heritage from God. They are second a reward from God, and they are third a blessing from God. The clear implication in it all is that they are a good gift to us from God. Not something to be avoided or put off to the last minute, but a blessing. Now, if you have kids, you know the sort of mixed up nature of all of this. You get it. There's this there's this stuff where, man, you feel more exhausted than you ever have, both physically, emotionally, whatever. Uh, There's this exhaustion to parenting. It's hard. There's a sort of death to it, like I've talked about, where you're laying your life down. But there is also joy. There is also laughter like you would get no other way. There is also life to be found there that just comes at you and breaks in. in some of some of the most like like Debbie was saying, some of the most mundane moments. I mean, this is amazing. And, and so you'll experience some of these mixed up emotions. And I, if you've been a parent, if you are a parent, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about here. You'll have days where all you want to do is say, man, I can't wait for them to get older like I just can't wait for for not no more poopy diapers for no more kind of you know cleaning up for an hour after they go to bed because they're not yet ready to be fully contributors right and and self sufficient like they try to help clean and just make a bigger mess whatever it is you're like oh I just can't wait for them to get older but then you you'll wrap back around like the next moment you'll wrap back around and you go this is going so fast But I just wish I could hold on to these moments and capture them and keep them from getting older, right? I experienced this especially with uh, Levi. Um, Again, my two-year-old son, because Megan's last pregnancy with him was so complicated uh, and and so risky and dangerous that the doctor said, "Listen, you can't, you can't do this again. You can't do this again." Um, And so I know Levi is our last child at least our last biological child. And I'll tell you, knowing that, (sighs) watching every little milestone, everything, it just like hits me in a different way. Like I even started crying when Megan was, was, was done breastfeeding. I don't, I'm the dude. Like, but I'm like, she's weaning and I'm crying. I'm crying. Cause I'm just like, man, this is crazy. Like, i wish we could slow this down a bit i love babies you know that's on my good days i'm sick of babies gosh i just want to like go to bed and know i can get seven hours of uninterrupted sleep but you know you have those other days that gosh that's the last you know first word and and first step and and that's the last crawl and you know like last time we get to celebrate that is so special it's so amazing. It's so life-giving in, in, in ways that you just can't explain. It's a gift. It's a gift to us from God. So parenting as image, parenting as gift. Now, coming off of this one now, again, we have this idea of parenting as stewardship. Let me try to set up this one um, uh, with, a, with a sort of a, an illustration. Parenting is stewardship. I don't know how many of you are um, familiar with the idea of re-gifting. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's basically where you get a gift that I think you're not super stoked on. You're not all that, you know, jazzed about. And so, you know, maybe a good place to, to re-gift would be like a white elephant exchange when it's just kind of a joke anyways. But, but there are, are folks who will kind of, I didn't like that. Uh, someone else might. So what I'll do is, you know, wrap it up, put a bow on it. You know, I didn't even take it out of the package and just hand it on, right? Hand it on down the line. Give it to someone else. Now, that is never really probably a good idea. It's especially not a good idea to re-gift uh, something to the very person who originally gave it to you, right? Like that would just make for a horribly awkward Christmas morning if uh, your sister or whatever opens up the gift. Isn't this... Isn't this the polka dot PJs I gave you last year for Christmas? You're like, oh, whoops, yes. I thought you would enjoy it. They're so nice. They're so soft and snuggly. I thought you would enjoy it. That's not a good idea. But the interesting thing when it comes to parenting, when it comes to kids, is that re-gifting, if you will, our kids back to God the one who gave them to us in the first place is actually one of the most important things we can do. It's actually one of the most important steps. We almost daily need to take with them to say, listen, God, thank you for this gift. Thank you for entrusting these kids to me. Now, I just want to give them back to you. I don't trust the way I'm going to plan and lead and, 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 and all my dreams and desires for them. I, I, I want them to be yours. I want your will, not mine, to be done in their lives. This is the idea, really, of stewardship. It's the idea that our kids are really ultimately His before they are ever ours. That they've been entrusted to us, but they don't belong to us in the ultimate sense, if that makes sense to you. They're His, and so we we offer them back. Now, this is... The idea really, I think, that stands behind um, um, what we usually think of in terms of baby dedications, child dedications, that sort of a thing. We think of it along these lines of kind of presenting the child back to God. That's great. This is the idea of stewardship. And really, we do see this concept come out uh, time and again in the scriptures. And I wanted to show you some of the stuff that stands behind this. Um, We see it first in, in, for example, uh, Exodus 13, verse 2, where God... God calls the the families, the people there in Israel to consecrate uh, their firstborn sons to him. He said, listen, they belong to me. (laughs) Consecrate them to me. Um, Deliver them, dedicate them, present them to me. We see this continue to play out um, in places like First Samuel one twenty seven and twenty eight, where Hannah, uh, this woman, could not get uh, pregnant, and she prays and prays and prays, and God gifts her with Samuel, a child, and she says, "Man, you know what? I, I, I want to give this child." into the service of the Lord. Like in this case, it was literally, she said, listen, I want you to stay here in the temple. And it was at Shiloh. And, and, and I want you to serve here in the, in, in, in God's courts, serve him. I, I, I give my child to the Lord. Um, we remember this sort of thing playing out in Jesus's own life, where Luke two we read that Mary and Joseph take him as a baby up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The idea is remembering it's the same sort of idea. Honestly, if I, I don't know why this idea comes to my mind, but you know, stopping to pray before a meal, it's that concept of, we could just keep eating and act like we own it. Like we made the money, we made the meal. This is ours. Or we could pause and remember, man, okay. Yeah. Maybe we were involved in making the meal or maybe we, you know, earned some money that allowed us to go out to this dinner. But we know that all these things ultimately come to us from God. So we pause and say, God, Thank you. May this meal, may our time together, may it be yours. Because we know everything we have comes from you. It's that, that's the concept that's going on here with this idea of parenting as uh, stewardship. We see it perhaps even uh, further uh, later on in the New Testament. Luke 18 verse 15, which we'll come to soon enough. And as we move through Luke's gospel, where w- what we see there is these parents are just wanting their infants to kind of be handled by Jesus and for him perhaps to bless or, or, or pray for them. And that's really the concept that, that we have when we talk about uh, baby dedications. Listen, I just want to get my kids into the hands of the Lord. I just want, I, I want you to have your way with my children. I, I want to get out of the way and learn to partner with you, God, as you are... are um, i going to minister to and, and, and raise up this child. Now, if you let the idea of stewardship sink in, I, I think you'll find it's, it's really going to challenge us. It's really going to kind of get at your heart at times. It comes after, I think, the idolatry uh, that we often make of our parenting. All right. When we think about stewardship and handing it back, it, it confronts the idolatry that we often have, which is where we, we kind of say, listen, I got my plans for my family, for my kids. I got my dreams. Uh, this is what I think they should be and do. This is what we need them to be and do for me to feel like a successful parent. I'm going to make sure they get this and that. This is the plan. This is where we're headed. There's this tendency to kind of wrap our fingers around our kids and, and put them onto the trajectory we think they should be on instead of let them go and say, God, I'm here and I want to partner with you, but it's your, your will, not mine, that needs to win out. We've probably all seen that guy. On the sidelines of like his kid's basketball game, right? You see the guy. He's like, he's like, you know, knocking over chairs, yelling at the ref. He he wants his kid to, you know, win. That was a foul. He's, He's going all crazy for his boy. Well, his boy's like five playing at the YMCA. His boy doesn't care. His boy's heart is set on like the snow cone that he gets after the game with his friends. He doesn't care if they called the foul, if he made the shot. He just is there to play. But the dad has this idea. That his boy, because, because I, play, I played NCAA ball. I mean, that's what I did, son. You could... He's on it. He's got this idea. It's not about his boy. Certainly not about God. It's about him. And it, it, it makes a mess of the parenting thing when we come at it like that, when we don't have open hands before God, when we don't daily surrender and treat our parenting as stewardship. It might not be. You don't might not like care if your kid is an athlete. Maybe, maybe uh, let me just fill it out because we're all going to struggle with this. It, it, it may be that your kid, your kid, you don't care if they're if you know if they uh, are all star on the team, but you certainly care that they're a straight A student. You certainly care that they get the grades to get them into college. So, you know, whatever to keep up the pedigree of your family name or whatever it might be. That that that's what the Webbers do. We. I don't have a pedigree, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it could be something like that. It could be maybe back when you were in high school, you were kind of the prom queen and and you were a little less popular and, and you really want to see that for your girl. Or maybe it was the opposite. You were made fun of. You had no friends and you want to see your your girl flourish. So, you, so you're putting makeup on her even though she's like 10. You want to see her be this beautiful little thing that all the other ones are kind of looking at. And she, you know what I'm saying? You start to... You start to, you getting me? It could be even that that you want him to be a good little Christian. That says this is how twisted it can get. It could be that you, you just want to see good Christian behavior and hear the other parents say, "Ma, your your little girl was reciting Romans eight from ha, from her heart. Just boom, she had it." See, yeah. Thank you. Tell me more. I mean, yeah, that's right. She she don't sleep with a stuffed animal at night. She sleeps with her Bible. She rests her head on Romans eight to fall asleep, and right? like that's like, w- but we, we labor and we work, and then when they don 't get it, when they don 't perform, when romans eight can 't be memorized because they 're only five or whatever it is, you, you get frustrated, you get upset and you put this burden on them instead of opening your hand to you God. say, "What do you have? How can I partner with you in this i 'm a steward, not an owner it 's not ultimately my will, my dreams, but yours for my kid." Now, aspect number four, parenting as mission. So we've seen uh, parenting as image, parenting as gift, parenting as steward, now parenting as mission. And this really moves us into the next aspect, Um, um, or or I'm sorry, this last one that we looked at really kind of moves us into this next one of of mission. Because if, if you notice, all the stuff I was just listing out was people on mission for something with their kids. We all have a mission for our kids. It's just, is it God's mission or not? That's the question. Like getting straight A's or being good athlete or whatever it may be is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just not the ultimate fundamental thing. It's not the, it's not the driving goal, the baseline thing we ought to be aiming for. Maybe a part of it. Like yeah, God wants him to be a good student. God wants him to excel. But there's some other deeper mission that God wants us to be on with our kids whether they're an all-star athlete or stellar student all that is secondary to god's desire that they come into a life-altering life-transforming soul-saving relationship with jesus christ they are reached with the gospel and raised up in the ways of the lord that's the mission All that other stuff, great. But if you don't get this, all that other stuff is is, is lost anyways. They need a life transforming encounter with Jesus Christ and to be raised up in his ways. Or we've missed the call. We've missed the commission. We've missed the point of parenting. Now, in, in Genesis 1, if, if you remember, the call was to simply multiply and fill the earth with image bearers. And that sounds easy enough. Just have kids, pop them out, and we're fulfilling the call. That sounds good. But things got a little bit more complicated in Genesis 3, did they not? Because that's when these image bearers fell. And now those who, who were created in the image of God now are marred. And now there's sin and now there's yuck that comes out natively from our hearts from the beginning. We are born now selfish, twisted little sinners, not God exalters and other lovers. No way. It's 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 the enshrinement of self from day one. And again, if you're a parent, you you don't need much proof on this because you've heard it said probably time and time again, you don't have to teach your kids how to say no. I don't have to teach Levi how to how to dig his heels into the ground, look at me like he wants to fight, puff off his chest and and kind of purse his lips when I tell him it's time to put away the toys or it's time to take a shot. No, I don't have to teach him that I do have to teach him to say, "Why, yes, daddy, that would be my pleasure. You know, that doesn't come naturally to our kids. Right. Obedience, love, uh, humility, Those things are not native in the human heart. And so therefore what we come to find is that we have a mission on our hands. Uh one way that you could look at it is the idea of like gardening, okay? Where you know, before the fall, Genesis 1, we have this idea that 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 fruit and stuff just kind of started coming out with minimal cultivation and whatnot, and, and it was just life as it ought to be. But then after the fall, what was happening in the spiritual dimension was projected into the creation. And and, and all of a sudden now he says, Listen, you can still get fruit, but It's going to be by the sweat of your brow and the breaking of your back. And if you'd want to step back and just kind of let the ground produce, what you'll get is thorns. And that's the very thing we see when it comes to our kids, that it's going to require work that if we, if we don't cultivate them in the gospel, if we are not instructing them in the ways of Christ, then they're going to get lost in the weeds and thorns. That's what's going to come out. That's what's going to win over. This is the sort of thing that a guy by the name of Chap Bettis is referring to in in his book, The Disciple Making Parent, um, which consequently I'm going to give to the parents who are um, taking part in the commission dedication this morning. But he writes this to realize our child's need for the gospel. We must start by realizing his true state. The Bible makes it clear that my little bundle of joy, the light of my life, is both made in the image of God and filled with a rebellious heart. He is given the special advantage of being born into a family that names the name of God. But he is also born with a heart bent toward evil. Left uncorrected, that trajectory will take him away from God. He is a sinner by birth and by choice. Scripture says he is born in these conditions, dead in trespasses and sins, by nature under God's wrath, with a heart that loves darkness and hates light, with a heart that is inclined to evil from childhood, on the road to destruction and hell. Now, he puts Scripture on all of these things he's saying in case you're going, that doesn't sound nice. Well, it's God's view of things. If you want some of those references, I can give them to you. But again, he's setting up why our kids are a mission field. J.C. Ryle, he goes on to quote, J.C. Ryle elaborates with this countercultural declaration. (laughs) The The fairest child who has entered life this year and become the sunbeam of a family is not, as his mother perhaps fondly calls him, a little angel or a little innocent, but rather a little sinner. Alas... As that infant boy or girl lies smiling and crowing in its cradle. I don't know what crowing is. That little creature, (laughs) he calls it a creature, which is great. Levi is definitely a creature Uh, in its heart. The seeds of every kind of wickedness only watch it carefully as it grows in stature and its mind develops. And you will soon detect in it an incessant tendency to that which is bad and a backwardness to, to that which is good. The first cause of all sin lies in the natural corruption of the boy's own heart and not in the public schools or wherever else we might like to place the blame. So Bettis concludes, each of our beautiful children is born with a defective spiritual heart. The only cure is radical surgery, a heart transplant, and that comes by way of the gospel in the Holy Spirit. So in other words, our kids need to be reached with the gospel. They need to be evangelized. They need to be discipled. They need to be saved and sanctified. They, just as you and everyone else on the planet, need to come to know the saving grace of Jesus and follow Him as Lord. They need to repent of their sin and, 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 and receive what He has done on the cross. They need to start to walk in the ways of the Gospel. And follow that out and in love for others, in love for God. It's the only way to begin to start seeing fruit, right? The new heart that comes from Christ. And so this is why here at Mercy Hill we talk about our kids as kind of the front lines of the mission field. Um, I've read this to you before, but this comes straight out of the Mercy Hill training manual that we put together a while ago. Uh, we're always a little plug here. We're always looking for volunteers, by the way, in case you want to join us in this mission. But uh, this comes straight out of um, that manual that we use to train up volunteers for our kids ministry. I write this. When we think of the mission field, we often think of some place on the other side of the world with a sea or two in between. We talk about the 1040 window and unreached people groups, but do we realize that with the birth of every child, it's as if God brings that 1040 window to us. We take an unreached person home with us from the hospital, wrapped warmly in a blanket and strapped tightly in a car seat. The boundary line of the mission field lay not out there somewhere across oceans, but right here across from us in the living room. Sitting next to us in high chairs around our dinner tables, to be sure we desire to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, but we begin by bringing the gospel to our own children. Just catch that. He brings the mission field to you when he brings a family into your, or when he brings a kid into your family. And then newsflash, here's the reality. He sends you to go first into that mission field. The church, yes, as we'll see, loves to partner with you in it. But you are the first responder. You are the one on the line going into that field. We're going to reach and raise this kid for Christ. We've wasted our time. I love how Deuteronomy 6 describes the parents mission from God and shows us what it might look like. Let me read this to you. This is Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9. Moses says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So first, he's concerned with, hey, listen, as we'll see, parents, you you got to have an honest, authentic relationship with God where you're loving him with all your heart. And his word is there. But then, now here we go. Verse 7, you shall teach these words that are on your heart diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The basic idea here is that evangelizing or discipling our kids for Jesus should be in some ways a part of everything that we do. The the word, the truth, the the gospel should be interwoven into our everyday stuff. Did you catch that? It's like, hey, when you're walking, when you're talking, when you're sitting, oh, over there, what's that? Oh, it's the word of God. We wrote it on the wall. Oh, what's that? Over there? We're just finding ways creatively to intentionally pursue our kids. For Jesus. And so every parent kind of has to work out what that might look like, how you'll kind of take advantage of the rhythms in your life. Maybe it's driving your kids, you know, to school in the morning. Maybe it's around the dinner table like Megan and I often try to do. Or maybe it's before bed that you read and do certain things. But, but we've got to do something. We recognize our kids are sinners in need of saving grace that is available to them through the gospel and Christ alone. And we have that news. We have that message and we have the commission and call to raise them, to reach and raise them for Christ. Aspect number five. And here I'm going to start to kind of fly and, and and I'll try to bring things to a close soon. But aspect number five is this idea of part of parenting as, as partnership parenting as partnership so there's a couple of things i mean by this um, and i'll just bring them out for you briefly the first is pretty obvious and that's the idea that uh that we see even there in genesis 1 it's it's the reality that you can't make a kid without a partnership if you will the if mom and daddy don't come together there is no little one right And so built within the very design of parenting is this idea that mom and that there's a partnership required to kind of raise this child right. Now, I know there are broken families and all these other things. I'm not saying that God can't redeem that. But I am saying that the original design is this idea of partnership, that you're together with one another, mom and dad, as you move towards your child. It's the the same sort of thing physically and biologically as it is spiritually. Just like you can't really see a kid come into the world without a partnership physically, uh, you also are gonna struggle to see a disciple, a, a child born again in Jesus and raised up in Him if mom and dad are going separate directions. Right? So this is a call to kinda, for parents to kinda get on the same page and talk about it. We've all seen those things where you're just kinda going the different direction and the dad's just kinda checks out and acts like it's the mom's job or whatever it is, but we're gonna come together on this. The second piece to this idea of partnership and this I I wanted to bring out for a moment is just this idea of partnership, not just between mom and dad, uh, but between uh, nuclear family, you could say. And church family or spiritual family between home and church. Um, there are a lot of places I could take you in the scripture, but where you see the idea that, listen, we are not just raising our kids on our own here, but we're doing it in a community of faith. We're doing it in, in and amongst God's people. And here is where. I think um, we can often run into kind of two extremes. You, you have those people who maybe think, listen, I'll take it on my own. I kind of want to keep the church at a distance. They hurt me. They say weird things about my parenting. Sometimes they have these different ideas. I don't like that. I can handle this discipleship thing all on my own. Is it going to shut off and go that way? It's just, just us here. Here. But then you have the other side where parents treat the church as if they're the ones who are the first responders. They're the ones who are supposed to do all the work of reaching my kid for Jesus. When instead, there's supposed to be this synergy. There's supposed to be this partnership that the church enters into with the family to support and care. And and here's where, if I could... I know, and I said it, I think, at the beginning that maybe some of us are like, man, a sermon on parenting. Listen, I'm not a parent or I I was a parent a long time ago or I'm single or I'm married, but I don't have kids. And this just is already going to feel irrelevant to me from the beginning. Well, here is where all of a sudden God taps you on the back and says, wait a minute, there is a role for you to play get in the game here we you 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 are a part of the family of God you're not a subclass citizen a a second level kind of you know second string sort of player here no 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 I mean if that's the case then we'd have to throw Jesus and Paul out as well because they both were single (laughs) and didn't have any quote-unquote biological kids right but there's a there's a spiritual family here and what we start to realize is that man parenting is a community project And again, that doesn't mean that now, okay, your job is going to come in and parent over the biological parents. I don't mean that, but I do mean your job is to support. Our job as a church is to support and care and nurture and pray for those parents and those kids and do what we can to see them reach for Jesus, right? Like you bring different things to the table depending on where you're at in life. Maybe you are single and you got a little bit more time, and then you see mom and dad who are just dying over here, and you maybe could, you can babysit. You want to you want to help in that way, or maybe you want to disciple their their junior hire who's going off the rails, and you're like a cool college kid, and he might think that you are neat. That would be huge. That would bless the heck out of those parents if you approach. Say, hey, can I like read a book with? You? Would he be interested? Whatever, you know. Or maybe you're well beyond the years of parenting. Well, now all of a sudden, perhaps you have wisdom because you've done it. It's not time to check out. Hey, I did my kid thing. I don't have any more either. It's time to start entering in. Hey, how are the young parents doing? Huh? What's going on? So we're in this together. There's a partnership. You, feel, you feeling me? You're not feeling me. You, you guys with me? I feel like Ian when he asked to get a welcome in the beginning. Yeah, okay, all right. I am, I promise, about to end. And this is... This is the the, the last aspect that I wanted to bring out. Um, Aspect number six, parenting as plea. (laughs) P-L-E-A. Do you know what plea means? It means this. (laughs) God. Help me! I don't know what I'm doing. I am not sufficient for this call. I, I, I don't know left from right here. I need you. See, I'm aware. I began this thing with parenting as image, and I'm saying, "Hey, parents, be living metaphors to your kids of the glory of God as you lay your life down for them," and you're going. Well good night, I better leave, I better make my way to the door now because I don't belong here. They are getting a whole lot of other messages, not just Jesus and His glory. (laughs) And I know that. And we're there with you. And that's why parenting is also a plea. It's it's crying out for God's grace. It brings us to the end of ourself and, and the place where He can begin. You remember what He says to Paul, right? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And as so we just go, I don't know. I screwed up again. I raised my voice. I did the, You know, God, help me. And He's there. And we encounter the gospel afresh in those moments. That is the way that we then begin to reflect the gospel in all its glory once again to our kids. So parenting is a plea to God to do what he alone is sufficient to do. Now, the second thing I said I was going to do as I was landing the plane is just simply come off of all this and ask, okay, what are we saying when we do a, a child dedication or a parent commissioning? What is being said? What is the parent involved in this saying? And I, I, I'm just going to draw from those six aspects I just said. I, I think it's essentially expressing your commitment, desire to, to walk that out. So here's what I'd say. If parenting is image Then in these moments, as we kind of do dedication or commissionings, the parents are expressing their commitment to try to reflect the glory of God to their child. If parenting is gift, then in these moments, parents are expressing their commitment to celebrate their child and receive them with gratitude as the gift from God that they truly are. If parenting is stewardship, then in these moments, parents are expressing their commitment to daily surrender their child and seek God's will for their life, not their own. If parenting is mission, then in these moments, parents are expressing their commitment to bring the gospel to their kids and see them reached and raised up for Christ. If parenting is partnership, then in these moments, parents are expressing their commitment to working together with one another and with their church family in pursuing this mission. And finally, if parenting is plea, then in these moments, parents are expressing the fact that they can't do this without God's grace and spirit. They too need the gospel they are called to proclaim. Let's pray. Oh God, we all in one way or another want to plead with you in these moments for grace. We need you. I know some come in and and parenting seems like the last thing on their mind, but I pray you meet them with their grace, with, with your grace as they cry out, even in these moments as we sing. God, I know that for some of us, parenting is actually the first thing on our mind. It's the thing we're worried about, the thing keeping us up at night. God, I pray as we plead with you, God, bring grace. Let us encounter, as I prayed in the beginning, the Father. See, the, the thing that we realize uh, is that the parents in this room all need to be parented too. We need the mercy and grace of our dad. We need your instruction. We need your, in gui- your guidance. We need your encouragement. We need your provision, your protection. We, the parents, need our father. And we know that all we need in grace, you abundantly supply in Christ. So thank you and help us, we pray. Amen.